Hey, I'm so glad you're here as we continue in our series called Help, I'm a Parent. And the title of my message this morning is called Scream Free Parenting. And I say that with a smile because last night I told someone, hey, Pastor Paul, will you preach about him? Scream Free Parenting. I said, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Now, here's the deal, everybody. Have you ever asked yourself as a parent, why do I yell at my kids? Well, I'll tell you why. Sometimes our kids can be flat out frustrating. Can I get an amen? Man, sometimes they give us attitude. They disobey us. They don't do the things we tell them to do. Sometimes it's our kids. But let's be honest, sometimes it's us. Sometimes the problem in discipline is us, our own anger issues. They just spill over onto the lives of our kids. And then they pay the price because of our lack of self-control. In fact, I remember when Karen and I were having our first child, our daughter, Sierra. Oh, my gosh. Now, just yesterday, that, that little baby drove to Arizona. Man, oh, my gosh. So our daughter, Sierra, like three months before she was born, Karen and I had a fight, and it got kind of bad. I mean, I started yelling at my pregnant wife. I know, what a jerk, right? What kind of jerk yells at a pregnant woman? But I kind of lost it. I went off on Karen, and right in the middle of our fight, with tears streaming down her face, she said these words that have stuck with me. I, remain, I remember 23 years later, this is what she said. She said, I can't believe that you would talk to me this way. And then she said, you have about three weeks to get your act together because you can never talk like this in front of our children. And man, that just hit home for me. So I've been working, and let me tell you, a lot longer than three weeks, like 23 years, I've been working on this idea of scream-free parenting. And I got to be honest, in a lot of ways, I feel like a Goldilocks parent. You know what I mean by that? Because sometimes my emotions get too hot. And sometimes they're too cold. And once in a while, I get it just right. And, and sometimes I feel like my discipline is too hard. And sometimes I'm too soft. And every once in a while, I get it just right. And uh, so I say that because I want to make it clear, I'm far from a perfect parent. I'm still trying and growing and learning. But I wanted to share some things that I've learned over the last 23 years that helped me get it more right more often. I want to share with you some principles from the Bible that help us in this area of screen-free parenting. In fact, right on the top of your outline, I want you to see one of the most helpful passages for parents. It comes from Ephesians 6.4, and it says this, And now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. Now, I want you to do something with this verse. I want you to circle the word don't, circle the word rather, and then underline the phrase loving discipline because I want to talk about all three of those. First, the word don't. What I love about this passage, it, it tells us as parents what not to do. Like, don't yell and scream and nag and scold because, friends, listen to me. When it comes to discipline, it flat out, that does not work. Yelling and screaming, it doesn't work. In fact, parenting expert Dr. James Dobson, 
He says this on your outline. He says, one of the greatest mistakes parents make is to try to use anger to try to get your kids to obey. Friends, here's why you don't want to use anger and yelling and screaming. First of all, do you know using anger undermines your authority? I mean, think about it. None of us respect a boss that yells at us and is out of control. And listen to me, kids don't respect parents who are yelling and out of control. See, when you parent that way, you lose the right to lead your kids when you lose it on your kids. The second thing I would say here is this is so compelling. Uh, the reason why you want to avo avoid parenting out of anger is because angry parents produce angry children. Did you know that children who rebel against your authority and the authority of others? That's why I put the next verse on your outline from James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It's a passage that's powerful for every person who's trying to build healthy relationships. This is what it says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, would you underline that phrase, slow to become angry? Because your anger will not produce the righteousness that God desires or the family life that you desire. Now, I started, this verse started with the don't side, but then it says rather. Like instead, if I, if I don't do this, what do I do? Well, rather use loving discipline. And friends, that's on your outline, that's kind of parenting in a nutshell, right? Because parenting in a nutshell is when we provide love and limits. What our kids need most from us as parents is they need love and they need limits. Now, on the love side, I can't help but think of the words of, of Mother Teresa who said, if you want to bring happiness to the whole world, go home and love your family. Isn't that good? I think what she's saying here is one of the greatest things you can do in the whole world is to build a happy, loving home. Now, I don't know about you and your situation, but I didn't get that as a kid growing up. Now, I knew my parents loved me, don't get, get me wrong, but my parents' love was like messed up. I mean, it was polluted. See, here, here's one thing I've come to understand. Here's the, here's the truth is the reality is you cannot impart what you don't possess. You cannot give something you don't have. And my parents never had God's love alive in their lives. They didn't know how to love each other well. And so here's what happened. It wrecked their marriage. They ended in divorce. And it wreaked havoc on me and my brothers. It messed us up so much. But here's the good news. There was a day when I discovered that I had a heavenly father who loved me with perfect love. I mean, so much so he gave his only son, Jesus, to die in my place so that I could be saved and that he came so that I can be enveloped in God's love. And friends, when I opened up my heart to receive Christ, it changed me forever. It filled my heart with God's love and it gave me this new capacity to love myself and others the right way, God's way. Now, what does that have to do with parenting? Well, friends, I want you to hear this because I want to tell you, regardless of what it was like in your family growing up, you have a heavenly father who loves you and treasures you and cherishes you. 
That's why we exist as a church. We're here to help you open up your heart to faith in Christ. He'll fill your heart with his love, and you'll be able to carry that in your heart and share it in your home. And I want you to see a picture of what God's love for you really looks like. And I was thinking about this book. I don't know if you read this to your kids, but we read this to our kids at least a thousand times. It's a book that it's called I'll Love You Forever. Do you know it? Did you read it, parents, to your kids? Now, if you, if you don't know this book, let me tell you about it. There's this chorus in the book that this mom, all throughout all the different stages of parenting, she says to her son, she says this, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And through all the stages of her son's life, from baby to toddler to teenager to grown man, in fact, in the book, one night she drives over to her adult son's house, climbs through his window, hugs him while, she's, while he's sleeping, and she sings, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as you're living, my baby, you'll be. So it's really a book about a stalker mom who has control <laughs> issues. But I tell you that because, do you know, that's how God loves you. He says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always, as long as you're living, my child, you'll be. See, that's the love that God wants to be the foundation of your life and your home. And in fact, and it will carry you and your kids from baby to toddler to teen all the way through. In fact, I love what 1 Peter 4, 8 says on your outline. Kind of gives us this foundation. It says, most important of all, continue to show what? Deep love for each other. For love makes up for many of your faults. See, I love this verse because it says you don't have to have a perfect family. You're going to have faults. You're going to blow it. You're going to make mistakes. We sure did. But what this is telling us, if you will build a home filled with love, man, it will cover you. It will cover your kids. I love what family expert Richard Evans says. He says, children will not remember you for the material things you provided, but for the feeling that you cherished them. That's the love part. Now let's talk about the limits part. Because if you really love your kids, here's what you're going to do. You're going to provide limits. That's what the Bible says. That's what Proverbs 19.18 tells us. It says, if you refuse to discipline your children, it proves what? That you don't love them. Like, if you love them, you're going you're gonna to be prompt to discipline them. I, I remember when my son Tim was six or seven years old. I was working from home, and Tim had a school assignment that he had to work on. But right in the middle, I said, hey, Dad, can I, can I have a 10-minute break to play my computer game? And being too soft, I said, okay, son, but just 10 minutes, and then get right back to your schoolwork. Okay, Dad, okay, Dad, just 10 minutes. He starts playing. I get caught up in work. 25 minutes goes by, and I still hear this race car ga game going on. And so I call out, I say, hey, son, Tim, come here, come here. Comes in the kitchen. I said, son, how many race car games did you just play? Uh, just three or four. Son, look at me. How many games did you play? Well, I stopped as soon as you called me. That's not what I asked you. How many games did you head down, lip quiver, five or six. Son, look at me. Did you just lie to dad? Yes, dad. 
Okay, son, go to your room and wait. I'm going to come in because I have to discipline you. Now, can I tell you, disciplines, <laughs> man, it's so, like, it's hard. Like, man, it takes so much energy and effort and time, and a lot of times we don't want to do it, but I knew that I had to discipline my son at six or seven because I want him growing up to understand disobedience has consequences. Lying ruins your life. It kills your relationships. In fact, I came across a great quote that's motivated me to do a good job at this. It's there on your outline. It says this. It is cruel of parents to permit their children to develop habits, like lying, to develop habits which they know afterwards must be broken. So I had to go to my son's room and say, hey, son, I love you. And I care about the man that you are going to become. I can't permit you to lie without consequences. And then I said the classic words, son, this is going to hurt me, what? More. And it did. And it did. Now, those were like the spanking days, but... Later, it became the no screen time. No, you can't go with your friends to great America. Sorry, you're on restriction. Hand over your cell phone days. But can I tell you, giving consequences that are led by love and focused on future behavior, friends, that's discipline. In fact, can I share with you something that helped me do a better job at screen-free parenting? When I began to understand the difference between punishment and discipline. And I want you to walk through this with me. So there in your outline, what you write this down, that, that here's the difference. The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty. Like I'm frustrated and I want to penalize you for what you've done wrong. But the purpose of discipline is to promote growth. I want to correct you and train you to do better. And again, the, the focus of punishment, punishment focuses on the past, while the focus of discipline is the future. In punishment, hey, you did wrong in the past, so you're being punished for it. But in discipline, you're saying, I want you to do right in the future. So I have to discipline you now. Now, the motivation behind punishment is anger, is anger. Hey, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed in you. And so because of how I feel, you're going to pay. That's the motivation behind punishment. But the motivation behind discipline is love. Like, son, I love you. I care about who you're going to become. I want to help you. See, discipline is for the kid's benefit, not for our convenience. And here's the results, two different roads. The result of punishment is fear, guilt, and anger. But the results of discipline is security and peace. Now, guys, this is what I want to know. Most parents, they don't want to yell and scream and punish their kids. So we, we all want to use loving discipline. But here's the question. I, if I were in your seat, I'd be saying, hey, Paul, that's all well and good. But tell me how. <laughs> like, how do I apply love and limits without screaming? Well, <laughs> again, good luck with that. <laughs> I, I want to share, like, three things that at least help me do a better job. And the first one is this is you have to teach obedience. Number one, you have to teach obedience. That's what the Bible tells us is our God-given job. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents 
because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. Meaning parents, means you won't kill them, right? <laughs> that's, that's what, no, that's... Underline the phrase, children, obey your parents. Now I'm curious, I may be the only one, but any of you parents ever have your kids yell, you're not the boss of me. Yeah. Am I the only one? Our kids said that, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> yes, we are. We need to parent like a boss. No. <laughs> Parents, you have God-given authority and responsibility to be the boss of your kids, and you have to be clear on that. But so many parents aren't. In fact, one time King George VIII said sarcastically, I admire the way American parents obey their children. Friends, you see, a lot of parents, they don't discipline their kids because of their own insecurity. Well, I don't want my kids to get mad at me. Yeah, and they, they try to be friends with their kids. Like, I want my kids to like me. Listen to me. Your, your children don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be in charge. This is, this is so key. Um, again, I'm curious. Any parents with strong-willed kids? Like, it's so funny, you can, Karen's like both arms, like, over here, we have them. Like, you know, some kids, they are just born sweet and cuddly. Like, they come out of the womb, and they are like the sweetest things, and their first words are, mama, dada. And some kids are born with a mohawk and a cigarette and tattoos, <laughs> and their first words are like, hey, who's in charge around here? <laughs> We, we had like both of those. <laughs> we had one kid that was pretty sweet and compliant. And then we had one who uh, their attitude was, well, you might as well spank me now because I'm doing my thing, right? <laughs> and I'm telling you, I get it that it's hard, especially if you have a strong-willed kid. And in our house, a lot of times, I have to be honest, it was a battle to teach obedience, but parents, you have to win the battle, and here's why. Do you know the only commandment in the whole Bible that's addressed to children is right here. Children, obey your parents. Why? So that it will go well with you. So it will go well. Do you understand that obedience is the channel of God's blessings? And parents, if you want your children to be blessed, you have to teach them to obey your authority so that one day they'll learn to obey God's authority. And if they learn to do that, it will go well with them, and then they'll have a lot long life in the earth. So this is so key. In fact, please take, the, take to heart the words of Jordan Peterson on your outline that says this, either you will discipline your child with love, or society will discipline them without love. You have to, number one, teach obedience. And then number two is you need to learn to communicate calmly. To communicate calmly means that when you discipline, you choose your words, your tone, your volume carefully. Pastor Rick Warren says it this way, you're never persuasive when you're abrasive. What he's saying is the same thing the Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 11. It says, a fool gives full vent to his anger 
but a wise person holds it in check. Now, I want you to look at this verse carefully because both the fool and the wise person, they both get angry, they both get frustrated, they're both tempted to lose control, but the fool does what? He, he vents it, he goes off, he yells at the kids. That's what the fool does. And some of you think, well, you know, hey, Pastor Paul, I, I can't help it. It's just who I am. I was brought up in a home with a lots of yelling and screaming. I can't control it. Well, let me tell you, yes, you can. You can. You, you can absolutely control and communicate calmly. You can shut it down in a second. And I'll prove it to you by telling a true story that just happened to me. About two weeks ago, I'm driving to work. And on my way to work, I see a young couple. Man, they're fighting with each other, yelling and screaming obscenities, and it's bad. And I drive by, and I'm thinking, man, this, this could get violent. And I'm driving by, and I can't just do nothing. But I don't know what to do. Like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And so I said, okay, God, help me to help this couple. And I do a U-turn. I turn around and go back. I'm thinking, what do I say to him? What do I say? I pull up and I roll down my window and these words came out. I just said, uh, excuse me, uh, sorry to interrupt, but do you know where the BART station is? <laughs> that was my brilliant idea. Now, if I was really a spiritual pastor, I would have said, hey, do you know where Crossroads Church is? But what it came, hey, do you know where BART is? Do you know where the BART station, like, I didn't lie. I didn't say I didn't know where the BART station, I just want, do you know where the BART station is? And they went from yelling and screaming, they immediately stopped yelling. And they said, oh yeah, Bart is like behind Rayleigh's, kind of next to Washington Hospital. I said, oh, okay, well, do I go that way? Which way do I go? And they gave me directions. And immediately they went from rah to, oh yeah, that way. You want to go here, you want to go there. And they shut it down in a second. Friends, you can shut it down. You can communicate Calmly. In fact, let me, let me tell you this. Let me, I want you to hear this. In parenting, when you're screaming and yelling and humiliating your kids, especially in front of other people, if you're using words like, what's wrong with you? Are you stupid? You never do anything right. I can tell you firsthand, that's what I grew up with. And I want to tell you, it doesn't correct your children. It crushes your kids. In fact, I know for a fact some of you are sitting here today and you still carry the wounds of a foolish parent who went off on you. Why would you pass that legacy on to your kids? See, a wise person, they hold it in check. It means when you're wise, you still get angry and frustrated, but you, you count to 10 or 100, depending on, on the offense. And if you're tempted to get out of control, you say, okay, Go to your room, you know, till mommy calms down enough to discipline you. And then, like, you say a prayer, you breathe, you drink, water, you know, let's be clear. <laughs> but you get it together and you communicate calmly. You communicate calmly. So you're saying, well, pastor, why do my kids have to be so frustrating? Well, if you're in that place, I want to challenge you, would you write this down, to remember the roller coaster. Remember the roller coaster. Think about it. When you go to the amusement park, you get on the roller coaster. The first thing the person in charge does is they put down the lap safety bar, right? You sit down on the roller coaster, they put down the lap safety bar. 
Now, let me ask you, when you get on a roller coaster, what do you do with that bar? Man, you grab, you check it, right? Man, you push it, you prod it, you check it to make sure, and when you check it, you want to make sure that it's going to hold, right? You don't want it to fail. You don't want to, like, go upside down, fall out, and splat on the pavement. You want to make sure that it's going to safely hold you in place. Well, friends, listen to me. The same thing is true with your child, with your teenager. Man, they push, they prod, they test. They're confirming, are you going to hold? Are you going to hold? At a time in their life when so many things are uncertain, they want to know that you're certain. And at a time in their life where so many things are unstable, they want to know that you're stable. Man, your teenager's life, everything is so erratic, they want to know that you're going to safely be consistent. That's why, number one, you teach obedience, you communicate calmly, and then number three is you create consequences. You create appropriate consequences. Another way of saying this is less yak and more act, right? Instead of saying, okay, mister, that's it. I'm counting to three. Anybody see that? Counting to three. One, two, two and a half. (laughs) Parents, let your kids experience three. Let them feel the consequences of their actions. This is so key, a spanking, a timeout, a loss of cell phone privileges. If you consistently bail out your kids, you will cripple them for life. And they have to learn this while they're young because parents, we all know, consequences get a lot bigger the older they get. When they start driving and dating and going into debt, if they don't learn at this stage that their choices have consequences, it can ruin them for life. So you want to you create appropriate consequences, both on the positive and negative side. On the positive side, hey, good jobs and good behavior and good attitudes get rewarded with good things, like treats and trips and prizes and privileges. Where on the other side, bad behavior, bad attitudes, disrespect, disobedience, they result with painful consequences. See, what you're doing is is you're giving your kids a gift of teaching them how real life works. You're setting them up so they can do what Galatians 6 verses 4 through 7 says. You want your kids to to be able to live out this verse that says this, be sure to do what you should, for then you'll enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well. You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each response-able. Like we're able to make choices and do the right things. We're responsible for our own conduct. Now underline this phrase, a man reaps what he sows. That means there's consequences for our choices. Well, hey, guys, to wrap this up, there's one last thing I wanted to share that I think is helpful when it comes to scream-free parenting. It's the whole reason that I wore my my Spartan shirt today. Part of a Spartan team called Team Triple G. And uh, shout out to my fellow Spartan brothers and sisters here today. Let me tell you, Triple G stands for as we train to do these races, we want to run with grit, 
gratitude, and grace. And that's not just how I want to run a race. It's, it's how I want to run my life. And it's how I want to run my family. Man, as a parent, I want to have grit. It means I don't give up. I don't quit on my kids. I don't get lazy. Man, I'm, I, I, I run hard. I have grit. I want an attitude of gratitude in our home. I want our, our home to be a place of joy and peace and thankfulness. But the grace part, the grace is so key. What I, what I mean by grace on this one is the grace part is helping our kids know what do I do when I mess up? What do I do when I mess up? And I, I want to give credit where credit's due. My wife, Karen, taught this to our kids, and then she taught it to me as her husband. <laughs> How to give a godly apology. Because the truth is, think about it. In our families, we all blow it. Our kids are going to blow it. As parents, we're going to blow it. As husbands or spouses, we're going to blow it. And can I, can I tell you, this is for everyone. This works with a friendship. This works uh, in the church. This works with God. How do you give a godly apology? We trained our kids to do this, and it's, it, it has multiple blessings on every level. So let me train you how to do it. Here's how to give a godly apology. You start with the phrase, I was wrong. Man, we need to teach our kids to say those words not to always make excuses or have a reason, just, just to humbly say, I was wrong when I, and then you be specific. I was wrong when I was rude to you, when I lied, when I didn't clean my room, when I was speeding and got a ticket. I was wrong. Don't just say, as, as I have tried, hey, I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> that does not work, right? No, I was wrong when, and you're specific. And then you say, I am sorry for. Sorry for hurting you, for disrespecting you, for getting that speeding ticket, for breaking the law, for stand. I'm sorry for. Next time I will. See that, friends, right there, that's called repentance. That's like changing course. That's saying, next time this happens, I'm going to take a different road, have a different action. Next time I will. And then the last phrase is so key. Will you please forgive me? Please forgive me. See, because that allows you to clean the slate, to repair and restore the relationship and get back to unity in the family. Well, I want to wrap up with one last passage on the bottom of your outline that kind of wraps this whole message together. It's something that uh, I hope blesses your family. I hope it blesses our church family. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every precious person here today. Lord, sometimes life can be so hard and frustrating, and we don't know how to handle it well, so we, uh, we get angry, we yell and scream and push back, and, and I'm just thankful to, for the loving, patient Father you are with us. 
would you help us to receive your love and grace and pass that on to our kids as in the same way you try to teach us obedience, how you communicate calmly, and how you create consequences so that we can be healthy and have vibrant, loving families and homes. And I pray that that would be true for every person here today and true in our church for Jesus' sake. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.